If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I want to encourage you to go to Mark chapter 14, and then we're also going to be in chapter 15 as well tonight. So the first couple songs here tonight that we have sang um, dealt with this blood thing. Okay, and for some people, if you're not for sure what that's all about, tonight hopefully will help uh, to be able to understand that in a better way. We sing about the blood of Jesus, which might be weird for some people. Why, why in the world do we sing about somebody's blood? That sounds so weird. But we sing about his blood because there's a power, there's a forgiveness that comes through his shed blood. And my message tonight is simply entitled, Covered by His Blood. Which that right there, if you're like unsure about that whole thing, you're like, this is weird. Okay? But just stay with me. It'll make sense at the end. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us uh, through this tonight. So we're going to start here in Mark 14, and we're going to begin in verse 12. And we're going to be looking at the Last Supper. We've been going through this passion series, looking at the the last week here of the life of Jesus from the moment he enters into Jerusalem with the triumphal entry. And we unpacked that just this last Sunday. And we looked at a variety of different passages, whether it was when uh, Jesus was in the garden and he was praying. And and then we looked at where Peter tells Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. And then what's he go out and do? He denies Jesus. And so, and we also looked at the, the story and the account of this prisoner named Barabbas and how he was set free and Jesus was the one that ended up needing to be crucified because of what the crowd had shouted. And so tonight we're going to look at the Last Supper and then we're going to look at Jesus as he walks carrying his cross to Calvary. That's where we're going to be tonight with Mark 14. And 15. This is the word of God. He speaks to us through his word. And so let's just pray together and ask the Lord to settle our hearts to receive from the word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together and worship unto Jesus. And Lord, as we settle our hearts now to receive from the word, we ask for your blessing. We ask that you would minister to each and every heart. Lord, there is a power that is in your blood, and I pray that you would help me to clearly communicate that tonight, and that there would be an awe and a wonderment of the blood that you shed for the forgiveness of sin. So we ask your blessing upon this time, Lord. Please have your way in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark 14, starting here in verse 12. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? I'll touch on the Passover meal here uh, when we get done with Mark 14. So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. He says, As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. And at the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, Where is your guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. 
So the disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now in the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And as they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? And he replied, it is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Now as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And we'll stop there here uh, with our reading on the Last Supper. So this passage, we see what is known as the Last Supper, and this is Jesus and his disciples partaking in this Passover meal. And this meal would take approximately three hours to complete. I don't know how many of you have three-hour meals. I feel like we live in a microwave society where we all just rush to the table, if we even go to the table. And we just eat our meal and we move on with life. But this was a very specific celebration that they were doing and commemorating the Passover. The Passover was instituted back in the book of Exodus. And there's a little history lesson with this. But if you can remember the story of Moses and Pharaoh and Moses saying, Let my people go because the Jews were enslaved to the Egyptian power. And so all these plagues begin to happen because Pharaoh would not let his people go, his being Moses' people. And so it comes all the way to this tenth plague. And this plague would be the death of the firstborn. And so in the midst of that, if they take a lamb and take that lamb's life and then take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost of their home, the angel of death would pass over their house. And so there you see a moment of some blood bringing protection in a situation. Passover is the longest continually celebrated holiday in the world. And they celebrate it because when the angel of death came, Pharaoh lost his son. And it broke him. And he said, get out of here. I, I, I want you gone. Of course, as they left, then he kind of rethought about that. And then he began to send his army after them. And if you know the story, Moses and the uh, Israelites, their back is up against the Red Sea. And they're like, what are we going to do? We would have been better off dying in Egypt rather than out here. And, and so Moses, through the power of God, the, the water begins to recede and it parts and, and they're able to walk through on dry land. And as they make their way across, then the Egyptian army is pursuing them and the water comes back 
and sweeps away the army. And they're free. They're free. Now they'll have a number of years where they'll be wandering in the wilderness, but they're observing now an annual thing called the Passover. And it is to remember what God has delivered them from. And specifically looking at the blood of these lambs. At the time of Jesus, there was approximately a quarter of a million lambs that were sacrificed every year at Passover. So you think of all these Jewish people that were observing Passover. All these lambs were sacrificed within a two-hour window between about 3 and 5 o'clock. Do you imagine all the priests working just like mad to sacrifice all these lambs? And the blood would actually flow from the altar and it would stain the Kidron River for several days. This was quite a thing. And the Passover lamb was a foreshadowing of Jesus. And this supper that Jesus was having with his disciples was incredibly important. For in this final meal, Jesus would shift the Passover of the Old Covenant into the Lord's Supper of the New Covenant. And so he's setting the stage here for what is to come. And if you want to go with me, I'm going to Hebrews 10 here. But I'm going to read this passage that talks about these sacrifices that were made in the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament and then what Jesus came to do. And so in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 11, this is what the Bible says. Under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, that's Jesus, okay? Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he made perfect those who are being made holy." When these high priests would make this sacrifice on behalf of the Israelites, they would take this unblemished lamb, okay, they'd have this sacrificed blood, he'd go into the holy of holies, a place where only the high priest could go, and that's where the presence of God was, and this blood would be used in the holy of holies, and it would be used to try to atone for the people's sin, but they would have to just keep doing this year after year after year. What the Bible is saying is that Jesus, our high priest, when he paid For our sin on the cross, through his blood, okay, he made the ultimate sacrifice and he went into the holy of holies before the Father and he's now given us access to God the Father. Now we can enter in to the holy of holies. And you'll see in a moment when we read this account of Jesus being crucified, there's a big old veil that was about 60 foot high and four inches thick, a big old curtain that would separate people from the holy of holies. And when Jesus died, that curtain would be ripped from top to bottom. Who ripped that? God ripped that. And now there's access to God the Father through 
Jesus Christ and his shed blood. That's why his blood is a very big deal. Because his blood is perfect and it paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And that sacrifice, as I just read, is good for all time. We don't have to make these sacrifices over and over and over again. Jesus paid it all. He's delivered us from sin. If you want to go back now to Mark 15. So after supper, Jesus and the disciples would leave for Gethsemane. And there in the garden, Jesus would be arrested. And then he's brought before these religious leaders. Of course, that's through a betrayal by this disciple named Judas. And then you have Jesus' denial, or excuse me, Peter's denial of Jesus. In the courtyard while Jesus is under trial. And then Jesus is brought before Pontius Pilate. And then there's this moment with Barabbas. And Pontius Pilate doesn't know what to do. And, and okay, I'm able to release a prisoner during Passover. And so who do you want? Do you want Jesus? Do you want Barabbas? And they all want Barabbas. And so he's set free. Well, now what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they all shout, crucify him. So then Jesus is flogged, and he's turned over for crucifixion. And there there's soldiers that are mocking Jesus, abusing Jesus, and they lead him away to be sacrificed on the cross. So in Mark 15, starting in verse 21, we're going to walk through here this passage of the crucifixion. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Now, Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. It's kind of an interesting name. How many have a dog named Rufus? You do? Okay, you did. All right. Well, just, just for the purpose of this message, I know it's kind of funny, but hang on to the name Rufus. That'll resurface here a little bit later. Okay? That's his son, Simon's son, Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine, drugged him with myrrh, but he refused it. It says, then the soldiers nailed him to the cross, and they divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. And it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. And a sign announced the charge against him, and it read, the king of the Jews. And two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And I just heard something today that I thought was interesting. It's quite possible that the third cross where Jesus was was going to be where Barabbas was going to be that day. And that these two that were being crucified with Jesus would have been buddies in the revolutionary actions that they were partaking in. I found that interesting. But here Jesus is in Barabbas' place. So verse 29, the people passing by shouted abuse shaking their heads in mockery. And they said, Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. 
The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He said he saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Verse 33. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. And one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. And then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And we know from other translations, he said, it is finished. So for three hours, darkness through this whole thing. I don't know if you ever picture that when Jesus is on the cross and he's going through that, but we kind of tried to just put ourselves into that story a little bit here tonight by killing the lights just to be able to realize what was going on in that moment. And it wasn't electricity. I mean, it's God's creation and a weather system and all this stuff probably going on that creates all this darkness. This this man who is so vulnerable right now as he's on the cross, is still very much God and is able to be in control of whatever the environment is around him. And they're going, why don't you come off the cross and save yourself? Meanwhile, he's in control of the weather. He's in control of what's going on. It's incredible to think about. And he stayed on that cross because he had a mission. And I'm sure in the pain and the agony, there was temptation to be like, get off the cross, right? And everybody's going, whoa, you truly are something special. But his mission was to pay for the price of sin so that we could have access to God the Father. Verse 38, it says, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Again, only the high priest was allowed to go beyond this veil into God's presence. But now God's presence is attainable through Jesus. Verse 39, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. That's where we'll stop right there. But I just think about the charge that the religious leaders had on Jesus. The charge was, he thinks he's the Messiah. That's blasphemy. Let's do something about that. Well, they had the oppression of Rome, and Rome called the shots, and Rome would not crucify somebody for simply that charge. So they trump it up a little bit, and they say, you know what? We're actually going to get him uh, here for sedition. He thinks he's a king. 
and he's going to overthrow the emperor. And so then Pilate works through all that. Here, here's the charges they're bringing against him. And then when Jesus dies, here one of the Roman officers says, truly, this man is the son of God. He realized who Jesus was. Do we realize who Jesus was? Do we understand that he is the son of God? Does that mean anything in our life? I want to take a moment here to just look at this man by the name of Simon. It's kind of at the beginning here of this second passage that we read. Simon is from Cyrene. It's kind of the region of North Africa. And this was a Jewish man, and the reason why he was in Jerusalem was because of the Passover. And all these different Jewish people would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So that's why he's there. And the Bible tells us that he happened upon the scene. Well, what a coincidence. But the way I see it is he might have thought he happened upon the scene, but I think God had him there for a purpose. For a reason. The soldiers that were carrying out this walk with the cross actually pull Simon in to this whole ordeal. Thing is, he just shows up, and here's this man walking with this cross, all bloodied up, clearly going to face an execution, and here comes the guards. And all of a sudden, they grab you and pull you into the equation. Would that just kind of startle you a little bit? And they force him to carry the cross. Now, it was Roman law that if you're going to be executed, you must carry your own cross. And here, the Romans grab Simon and bring him in to help Jesus. So why did they force Simon to help? Glad you asked that question. I mean, we just kind of sit on that a little bit. We don't know the exact answer, but there's a few thoughts on this. It's possible that somewhere in the heart, if any of these Roman executioners had a heart, that maybe they had this ounce of compassion for Jesus who was suffering so much. And they said, clearly he's struggling. Let's get him some help. Hey, you and they bring him into the equation. That's one thought. Another thought is these Roman soldiers had an order, and the order was to crucify Jesus. And Jesus was so beaten that he could have been on the brink of dying in the process of carrying the cross. And so the soldiers are like, hey, we need to speed this process up the order was to execute him on the cross. Hey, you, pull him in. You carry this. We have an order to take care of this man on a cross. That's one thought. And then the last one, which is also very believable, is that these Roman soldiers, they're so cruel that for them, 
they want the torture to go on as long as it possibly can. And seeing that Jesus may not make it to the cross, they grab this man, pull him in, because they have more torture ahead for this man, Jesus, and they want to make sure that he gets to the cross. Variety of views. Why was Simon brought in? But I will tell you this. I believe Simon was brought in because God wanted him in. And I don't know what's going through the Roman soldiers' heads, but in comes Simon. What's going through Simon's head? He's just minding your own business, headed up for this Passover celebration. Oh, hey, there's an execution going on, and whoop, now you're carrying someone's cross. Doesn't that just kind of floor you? If you've ever heard of the skit guys, they, they do some things that sometimes are very reflective. And here's a video from them, maybe on what was going through the, the mind of Simon. Take a look. I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover, and he... He was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't, we didn't understand that. Um, when I got to Jerusalem, it wasn't what I expected. There was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover. And just seemed like the whole city was angry, like just, just mobs of angry people. And all of a sudden this, this, this guard, the soldier, he, he grabs me. I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd and he says, for me to carry this guy's cross, If, if this guy's blood gets on me, it's, it stains me, and I, I, can't, I can't celebrate the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. And I knew This man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could, but he, uh, he, carried, he carried most of it. We, we begin we begin to walk I, I I heard the insults that that they shouted at him and and now at me I felt the spit I felt his his blood on me they'd taken a, a crown made of thorns and then they smashed it on his head 
and, and, and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross and they, they nailed his hands and his feet to it. And they, they, they lifted it up. And he, he had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet. And he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive. And I, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. And, and I looked down and I remember, I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with, with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would, would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood, it's the blood that, that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath and he died. And that was a, uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry That was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross. He hung and died on my cross. As I mentioned earlier, it was Roman law that those who were being executed must carry their own cross. And kind of in an interesting way here, as he just said, what we know is that as Jesus went to the cross, he went there for you, he went there for me, he went there for Simon. And so the law was still being followed because Simon was carrying his own cross. Simon should have been on that. That's the penalty. That's the price for Simon's sin. And he was tasked with carrying this. He also made a comment that he was now covered in Jesus' blood. And I'm sure at the time that felt like a little bit of an inconvenience. But you have to wonder that after Jesus was crucified and after Jesus rose again, did Simon ponder these kinds of things and wonder who was this man that I uh, was tasked to help? It sounds like he's kind of a big deal. And I'm sure as the gospel message began to spread... Was there a moment where the blood of Jesus covered Simon's sin because he reached out to Jesus and asked for forgiveness? 
You see, Simon could have literally been covered by the blood of Jesus, but if he didn't respond to the gospel message, sadly, he would go to hell and be separated from a God who loves him forever. But it's possible that Simon did respond to the gospel. And here's where I told you, hang on to Rufus. You remember that? So the Gospel of Mark was written somewhere between 50 and 60 A.D. So roughly 20-ish to 30 years after the crucifixion. And the book of Romans was also written around that time frame. And Mark would have written some of these things in Rome. And there was a particular member of the church in Rome... And Paul addresses him in Romans chapter 16 by the name of Rufus. So is it possible that Simon did put his faith in Jesus? And Simon passed that faith on to his son. We don't know that for sure. But it's powerful to consider. I said earlier, Simon carried his own cross. I want you to think about this. Simon carried your cross. Jesus carried your cross. As Simon was covered with the blood of Jesus, are you covered by the blood of Jesus? It's a very important question. That's why Jesus came, is to cover your sin and to make you whole. You know, Mark records these heart-wrenching words from Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. Jesus quotes Psalm 22 when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's different views about this moment in history. I'm going to give you my personal view. I believe that here in this moment, Jesus' fellowship with the Heavenly Father was temporarily broken. And the reason why is the Father had to turn his face away from Jesus because Jesus had the sin of the entire world upon himself. And sin separates us from God. The wrath of sin has been poured out on to Jesus. And it's so overwhelming that Jesus cries out these words that David wrote down in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Last year as a family, we had the opportunity to see the David production from Sight and Sound Theater. And there's a moment where the psalmist David is writing those words in some of his moments of feeling like he's been abandoned. But then as he's writing that down, he prophetically looks to the Savior that would come 
and take our sin upon himself, that being Jesus. And before we partake in communion, I want to just, in this moment, just reflect on these words from this song, Psalm 22. They'll surround you like wolves Cast lots for your clothes Pull your bones out of joint Pierce your hands and feet As you hang you will sing We know that Jesus paid the price and it was his blood that was shed for you and for me so that we could be set free from sin. To think of all he went through, even to the point of shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? price for sin was a lot. God was serious about your sin. He was serious about my sin. And he paid it all. As we prepare to partake in communion together, let this be a time of reflection and what your Savior did for you on that cross. I'd like to lead us now in prayer as we prepare for this time of communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. Sometimes I feel like we take for granted the things that Jesus went through to set us free from sin. But Father, in this moment, help us Help us to, to grasp how deep and, and how wide your love is for us. That you would give your very life so that we could be set free from sin. Father, there's always an opportunity to respond to your grace. 
As we hear this gospel message, I pray that we would lean in. And if there's someone right now that's listening that would desire to put their faith and trust in Jesus who died for them to set them free and you desire that forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus, then I encourage you to pray with me right now in your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. And I believe you died for me and that your shed blood will cover me. And I ask for forgiveness. Please cleanse me and make me new. Today I receive you by grace through faith. This gift of salvation. This gift that you paid for through your very life. Thank you for saving me. Father, for all of us here tonight, let us be saying those same words as we partake in communion, saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. We're grateful for your grace. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.